This is Andy Steiger. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you to understand and speak the language of our culture and to address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. Before we jump into things, just wanted to let you know that we have a new podcast season, season two of the Human Project for Kid podcast that will be launching soon. I want to encourage you to check that out. Also, we would love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a rating on that podcast. That would be sure appreciated. I've been getting lots of good feedback from parents that are listening to these podcasts with their kids. They're short, they're insightful, and they've got kids on them that are talking about important subjects. We really think that you'll enjoy it. Today, we are doing an interview in light of it being Valentine's Day coming up on Friday. We wanted to address something with regards to dating and marriage. At the church that I work at, we had Neil and Cheryl Josephson that came and spoke to our young adults about dating and marriage. And it was so well received that in the Q&A, we just were able to only scratch the surface of the questions that were sent in that we decided that we would do an entire podcast where we just addressed the Q&A that came in. And so I think that you might find this interesting. The questions that were texted in were texted in by young adults. These are the sorts of questions that they're wrestling with. And I sat down with Neil and Cheryl to go through some of them and pray that it encourages you as you listen to us address these issues. Hi, welcome to the AC Podcast. This is Andy Steiger. I am in... A different studio today. I'm out at the offices of Power to Change, and I am with dear friends, Neil and Cheryl Josephson, and they run a ministry that I'm going to have you introduce. Uh, I believe it's called Family Life. And if you could introduce yourselves, introduce the ministry that you do. In particular, you guys do a broad range of things, but we're really going to focus today on the topic of marriage. Uh, But could you introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, we lead Family Life Canada. There's Family Life, and if you Google Family Life, you're going to get the U.S. version, so go Family Life Canada. And they're great people down south, but we're Family Life Canada. And our purpose is to try to strengthen marriages and families. We just really believe that marriages and family are the core of our country and that the best foundation of a marriage and family is Jesus Christ. So we blend those truths and convictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so primarily we do marriage conferences and seminars and workshops, parenting conferences as well across the country. Um, we also have a really active home builder network. So about 5,000 Canadians coast to coast are actively engaged working with us. And home builders are our volunteers. They're volunteers, yeah. they're not a staff. And then the other thing we have that I'm personally super excited about is sort of a marriage mentoring network, again, which is coast to coast. So just love the idea that Canadians across the country are really engaging in helping other people stay strong and, and kind of building a community in and around marriage and family. So that's what we get to be part of. We love what we do. As a part of the ministry you do, you came to our church and you were speaking with our young adults mm-hmm. and we were talking on the subject of dating and marriage, given that we are fast approaching Valentine's. This yeah. is kind of the the year that we talk on these sorts of subjects. And that was so well received. And there was so much feedback from that event. 
And one of the things that we did, as you know, is we had a time of Q&A and we encouraged people to text in questions and we received more questions than we could respond to. Mm -hmm. And as I was looking over these questions, I was like, man, these questions are so good. And I think there's so many people asking these questions that we decided, let's do a podcast on this. So we, we've been waiting. We're addressing these questions now. Uh, and so really, uh, the podcast today is just going to be all over the place with regards to dating and marriage, questions that we have received that, that I think a lot of people are asking. And we're just going to jump right into it. Let's do it. And uh, we'll see if we can get how many we can get through. And hopefully, maybe a question that you listeners are, are wrestling with uh, are going to be one of these. Or maybe this, you know, could be an opportunity just for you to hear what we're talking on these subjects that could equip you in the conversations you have, maybe Perfect. with your kids or, yeah. or friends. So let's do it. Let's jump right in here. The first question is, as a single person, how does one enjoy being single? What a great question to start with. If you have the desire of being married, but think it's not going to happen in your mm-hmm. future, how do you see past that and have a life of fulfillment? That is a great question. Because we primarily speak with married couples, we don't have a lot of conversations with pre-married couples, but I will tell you that this is the number one question we get pretty much. If I'm going to be single, how do I do this in a good way? And I love the, the way this person phrased it as a single person, how does one enjoy being single? And I would say, The same question is asked as a married person, how do I enjoy being married? Like, how do you enjoy whatever current situation you're in? And I would say you you don't enjoy life by basing all your happiness on another person. You base your your worth and your happiness and your joy in our relationship. We're created to be in a relationship with our creator, and that's where our joy and our happiness comes from. The marriage relationship is a wonderful relationship. I'm not taking anything away from that, but I just think I think our culture has elevated marriage to a point where it's sort of an it, it's an achievement. It's, it's like a marriage cult. Yeah, and I, I think it really diminishes what we're really called to as human beings. I think, and so I would just say um, we're not created to be married. We're created to live in relationship with our Creator. Everything that we're called to do as Christ followers, we can do without being married. I think there's some added layers that you get to live into when you're married. So in terms of contentment piece, I think there's a lot that goes into just sort of being, this is is the stage of life I'm in, and I'm going to live every moment of this stage of life. I would also say, just can I say one more thing? I love what Gary Chapman or Gary Thomas has to say, actually, all the Garys. You get the Garys mixed up with all the marriage people. You have to be Gary if you're going to be a marriage author. So... um, but he said, you, we can be lazy in that process too. Like as we're kind of sitting there in our singleness, wishing we were married, um, we can get kind of lazy and just kind of like, well, I'm waiting for God to bring the right one. And he, he says, we need to be pro, as with everything in our life, we need to be proactive. We need to put ourselves in situations. We need to be working on ourselves. We That's need right. to heal our wounds. Like there's a lot to do as a single person, <laughs> even if you do want to get married. But I guess there's a danger in that thinking too, because then you're always like, Everything you do now is so that, and I would say everything you do now is not so that you get married. Everything you do now is so that you get to live in who God's called you to be. And, and isn't there an interesting premise that's going on here? Then you've been, you've been touching on this is that as though there's something better about being right. married, that a lot of people forget, even though you get married, you still are very likely going to be single again, mm. unless you die before your spouse. Mm. 
you know, the, there is going to be, uh, you know, that That's time. Point. And if you try to find your identity in that, I mean, you could imagine then when, if, and when you do lose your spouse, you kind of lose yourself in that because you've thought or tried to make that your identity. One way that I've seen young adults kind of confuse this as well is when I've officiated weddings, I've often had to help people to understand in their wedding vows because they've often, they often vow eternal marriage to one another. Mm. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be married, you know, I'll, I'll be by your side forever. Yeah. And it's actually, you won't. I know. That kind of bugs me, actually. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, I actually would like to be married to Neil in eternity, but I I realize that's not... That's not what we promised. That's not what the scripture says, yeah. Yeah, I guess that is interesting in that regard because we kind of have this romanticized idea of... Oh, totally. You know, that's this forever marriage. It's like, well, actually, no. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to frame it because the only eternal relationship is our relationship with God. Yeah. And I would just add, we love being married and I'm a better person for being married to Cheryl for 41 years now, but... I would really caution people to go, all my issues will go away when I get married. Mm -hmm. Single is some kind of secondary state, and it's not. I mean, all the things that Cheryl said, to pursue faith, to grow as an individual, to make a difference in the world, to be excellent at your craft, whatever that is, to share the gospel, all of that stuff has to happen whether you're single or married. And that's what gives life purpose. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm doing nothing until I'm married. It, that's such a false way of thinking. And the irony is that when you are pursuing those things, when you are living into you know who God yeah. called you to be, and when you are working on becoming a better, whole, wholer, weller person, you're stinking attractive to other people, and <laughs> right. and your your chances of being so married true. are a lot better if that's what you're going for. I'm not suggesting that's how you live it or why you'd live that way, but it is kind of the icing on the cake. It does seem because people are attracted to other people who are fully engaged in living. Mm-hmm. And growing. When I read this question, I thought of Paul's verse, uh, he says in Philippians uh, 4, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. And I think that's that's a great thing. Yeah. Well, let's jump into another question here. Here's a, a an interesting practical question, something that, in fact, my roommate in college went through. How do you go about starting a relationship or dating someone who is separated or yeah. divorced and also a believer? Mm-hmm. Well, you know... When I first read this, and of course, we don't know the people who wrote him, so we just know the words on the page. But the, what leapt off the page to me and Cheryl is, look, if somebody's separated, you shouldn't be dating them. They're in some state of their marriage is, is at a crisis or you know whatever the word is you want it, but they're not together. I, we believe we work for and pray for reconciliation right as, as long as possible. And so, so, so we're talking, just to be clear, by separated, you're saying, okay, they haven't divorced. Correct. They're just separated yep. from their partner. Yeah, yep. that, that's the way I read it. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're suggesting that nobody should no. be dating a person who's just separated. I mean, we pray for reconciliation. We work for it. We understand because we're in a broken world. And Jesus even said this, you know, we get a certificate of divorce because of our hardness of heart. And, you know, and I think there's repentance and forgiveness after divorce. But I think you, you want that to play out before you would start a relationship with someone. Yeah, we're not even talking, I'm not even talking about it from a theological perspective. I'm just talking about it from a practical perspective. Yeah. Until that first marriage is completely over. And then I would suggest also that there's a there's a period of just, I mean, it, it is hugely traumatic to go through a divorce. We've walked that journey yeah. with friends and family, and it's hugely mm-hmm. traumatic. To enter in quickly into a relationship with a person who's just gone through a divorce, I think is a recipe for disaster down the road, quite frankly, because they don't even know yet 
they haven't processed all of the stuff from their failed marriage. I guess I'm projecting a lot on the kind of the people that we've yeah, known. and we've talked to a lot of people. <laughs> we have talked to a lot yeah. of people, and I mean, you we all know you a second marriage is is the same in some ways. It's a man and a woman trying to figure out how to live together and love each other. So it's the same as every other marriage, but it does mm. have some other layers, and you do bring some things in. And our counsel would be to really make sure that there's a lot of healing and a lot of wholeness before yeah. you enter into a marriage relationship. And does I wouldn't go sense? deep in that relationship until I was pretty convinced that the other party has made really good faith efforts to deal with their past trauma and their hurt. And then, uh, you know, I have, a, like I was saying, a roommate yeah. of mine, he uh, married a lovely girl who had had a, a child out of wedlock, very young when that all happened. And so it was interesting just watching and walking with him through that and just the prayer that's needed, mm-hmm. you know, and as you also just need to be honest. And this is one yeah. thing I really appreciate about him, just the honesty of knowing this isn't going to be easy. Right. And there are going to be some challenges here that I can't just romantically gloss over yeah. mm-hmm. and I need to be mm-hmm. realistic about. Yeah. yeah, you very didn't true. hear us say that you shouldn't enter into a relationship with a divorced person, right? And maybe we should just clarify there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I, I mean, whatever your biblical position is on this, I think you can go on to build a beautiful relationship, mm-hmm. second marriage. We've Indeed, seen we've it. Known we've that. known yeah. that mm-hmm. some of the we most do. beautiful marriages we know are second marriages. We, I'll, all we're suggesting is you really make sure that there's some good healing time yeah. in between. Great. Let's jump into the next one. Uh, Rapid fire. Here we go. What's the difference between talking to someone, seeing someone, and dating someone? And is it necessary to go through all the stages? This one, I laughed out loud when I read it because I'm like, this was me in college. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, then why did you answer it? (laughs) No, no, no. Because I'm like, what? I don't know. It all sounded just like, uh, you know, distinctions in wording to me. Oh, really? No, so for me. what do you think? Well, for me, like with my my wife now, Nancy, when we were, were, you know, going out for coffee, you know, you go out for coffee once, you go out for coffee twice. And then it was this idea, well, are we dating now? And I remember Nancy looked at me and she's like, uh, no, uh, this is not going to be a dating relationship until you ask me. Okay. Okay. And I go, so I need to ask you to be my girlfriend. And she's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Define the relationship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's that moment, right? That that relationship needs to be defined. So, because I'd be really hesitant mm. when you, just because somebody's maybe gone for a movie a couple times with sure. somebody or had mm-hmm, a coffee mm-hmm. or maybe they went snowboarding or something together. That doesn't mean you're dating. Right. 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 And I think it would be fantastic if if in our culture and certainly in Christian culture, you could spend quality, appropriate time with somebody of the opposite gender without it becoming like right. if you could have a holy proper friendship with somebody of the opposite gender, I think that'd be awesome. But there's a lot of expectations, like if somebody sees you going to the movie a couple times or whatever. So okay. Yeah, so uh, the difference, I guess, would be clarity and like what's in your heart. And if what's in your heart is uh, some kind of committed relationship, you need to become honest about that, right? Like your wife called you out on that. (laughs) Again, good for her. I think honesty is the is the answer to that for sure. Like if you if you want to know what stage your relationship is at, ask. So you you go on a couple dates, get to know a person. You think Mm -hmm. there could be something there. Ask them, you know, hey, in I'm, a moment to define this, you know, yeah. and and it's one of those things. Maybe you work out together. Yeah, we are, we are dating. While uh, you're thinking of that, I will say, in terms of the stages, 
I actually do think there's, I mean, well, there's a progression to dating for sure. sure. And I think it would be very helpful to kind of mark that progression along the way with each other. So you're always checking in, you're always kind of on the same page as to where you are without the expectation that it's, that you know where it's going. Mm -hmm. I think that's the temptation. Mm -hmm. I think you can say, this is where we're at right now. We're both in agreement, but we're also both in agreement that we don't know where this is going. And I think that's fair. Now, would you, just to tease that out, with where it's going now, I think you would agree with me. I've always defined dating as this relationship that's a committed relationship for the purpose of marriage. So that if there comes a point in this, you know, dating where you're like, I know that I wouldn't marry this person, mm-hmm. then you should break up with them. Yeah. Uh, but there is that, if I, if I understand you correctly, then Cheryl, that means then as you're dating, you know, it is for the purpose of marriage, yet you don't know. Right, because right. you're in. Right. The, you're you don't know if you're gonna. Yeah, you're exploring. I don't know if I'm gonna marry. Yeah. If I do know, though, for sure, I wouldn't. I would agree with you. you I 100% agree with you. If you know that there's no future to this relationship, you should stop sure. investing it's in dishonest. that person. It's dishonest. But I think until you know, our counsel is don't start talking about marriage a month in. Because it alters your relationship. All of a sudden, then you, everything's about the future. Yeah. And you're not able to just live in the moment and really get to know that person. And and then every conversation is filtered through, well, what if, if, if we were married, would you do that? And you just don't give the relationship an opportunity to grow in a natural way. So I think stages is a good, is a great way to put it, actually. You kind of identify the stage you're at. And once you've identified that, yeah, no, this relationship could, could go to marriage, then it kicks it into a different stage to use that word. And I do think there are stages. I think where we've seen relationships go awry is when they jump to a conclusion about where that relationship is going and then ignore the day-to-day. Here's an honest question that I know goes on. uh, It is a struggle that goes on a lot in our culture, particularly, you know, is often referred to as a hookup culture. And one of the questions that was sent in was, what your thoughts on having friends with benefits is, is that okay? Uh, how many different ways can I say no? <laughs> we were talking yeah. about this, you know. I I, I just don't think. Um, no, it's. I, I think you trivialize sexual relationships, which are supposed to be holy, and holy means set apart, right? It, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's you know not passionate. Holy is set apart, and so you trivialize it, like, hey, you're my friend, but you know, let's let's have some sexual pleasure together. Uh, I just think it creates baggage for the future. I it's think it confuses the friendship. Is disrespectful to your future spouse. I mean, how do you take sex seriously when you've had it that casually? So, yeah, no, I don't. And everything in the scripture about how to treat our brother and sister in Christ, that completely violates all that, all Jesus' teaching on that. Yeah. You know, the first thing that went through my mind when I read it was, that's not a friend. You're not treating that person as a friend. Yeah, You're in I fact treating so. them as an object. Sure. You know. So short answer to but, a, but I yeah. guess the argument would be <laughs> no. You know, but the argument might be, well, what if we're both in it? Well, then I'd suggest you're both wrong. You know, and try to try to think better of each other. Well, here's a question that kind of follows off of this. Then, uh, how do you talk with your friend who is in a relationship that you think might be unhealthy? Mm. What are the red yeah, yeah, flags in yeah. a relationship? Well. I, I read that as two parts. I'm going to talk to, uh, to the first part, and you can talk about red flags maybe. Sure. Uh, the first part is just say, well, how do you talk to your friend generally? Like, I think to have friends that you can really be honest with, that's a great thing. So practice that level of honesty with all your friends. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you talk to them? 
you talk to them the way you always talk to them, mm-hmm. uh, with their best interest at heart. You're not trying to control them. You're not trying to change them. You, out of sincere concern for them, if that's your attitude, then it's probably the right setting for a conversation. But what are the red flags that would make you have that conversation? Yeah, and I I would ask a lot of questions. Yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't pronounce. Tell them what to do. Yeah, or tell them I would. Here's what I see in your relay. I would just ask a lot of questions and then kind of let the spirit go to work. But some of the questions I would ask are: Is this person a a, a giver or a taker? Like what's his, his, what's her, his or her kind of predisposition. And I think that's a good one is I would ask the question is, is the person, you know, kind of well and whole and complete. And I don't necessarily mean that we have to be perfect, but is this a healthy whole person who can enter into a healthy whole relationship? Because a marriage is only as healthy as the least healthy person in it. So if you're dating a person who's not particularly healthy, you are putting a glass ceiling on your marriage. It will never get where you want it to go because that person will always li- – it's a governor but, on I mean, your relationship. But that person can grow, but this totally. is a red flag. This is a red flag. Yeah. Then I would, I would ask them, are, are they a respectful person? Do they respect you? Do they respect the, your friends? Do they respect your parents? Do they treat others with respect? I would really be – Mm. watching that carefully. I would watch how they interact with their friends. People who are capable of good friendships are typically or generally capable of good marriage. Mm. If they have no close friends but you, I'd wonder about that. And then it's all comes to, you know, the real estate maxim, right? Location, location, location. When it comes to marriage, it's character, character, character. Like I would just ask about his or her character and and then let let those questions just bubble up in your friend. And and I think once they're planted in his or her brain, they start to see the relationship and maybe see those things in the relationship on their own. I think it's super disrespectful and hazardous to kind of pronounce to somebody that they shouldn't be dating this person. Because you can get the Romeo and Juliet syndrome, so, which is, yeah. it's romantic. Everybody's against us, you know, but we'll stand against everybody. But Romeo and Juliet ended up dead. You got to remember that. <laughs> but, you know, there is this sort of noble thing, you know. A couple red flags for me, big red flags. If if the person you're with has uncontrolled anger. Oh, yeah. Uh, we all get frustrated sometimes. We all, you know. But a healthy person soon apologizes. Hey, when I said that, I was out of control. Or, you know, I don't know. But just people that have uncontrolled anger, because this, this happens afterwards. People that have trouble with substances, it doesn't go away just because you have a, a wedding ceremony. Like these are real concerns. And people that are desperately uh, alienated and angry with their family of origin, they've got issues they need to address. You know, and uh, pornography is one of those as well, yeah. right? Yeah, if, they, yeah. if they're struggling with pornography, you know, before you're married, it, just because they get married uh, mm. isn't going to change that. Sad but true. Yeah, no, that's, uh, thanks for bringing that up. And that is a great conversation that I think any couple has to have these days. Mm-hmm. And both men and women are using pornography. Sure. And there's freedom from it. Uh, but boy, that's something you need to be aware of. And again, find the freedom uh, before. Yeah. The wedding. Don't assume like, oh, once we're married, we'll have lots of sex. Hey, talk to anybody who's been married, and certainly people with kids. Uh, it's it, all your sexual desires are not automatically erased. So that's a great point, Andy. Yeah, and I would just say I would I would suggest that there's a significant period of time if somebody because I actually had this conversation with somebody last week. Her point was my boyfriend is trying not to do porn or not to use porn, but um, how long do I have to wait before I realize, you know, he's out of the danger zone? And I, I said, I, I think a good period of time, as long as he's being proactive and continuing on in that kind of proactive um, going after it. And I think he was in a mentoring relationship. 
Good for I think him. you don't have to break up with them. Come alongside him, yeah. cheer him along, encourage him. As long as you're seeing progress in that relationship, I think you can be a really good friend to him in that. Oh, yeah. And you, there's lots of programs you can direct people to, too, as sure. well. Like, I think of Freedom Sessions yes. and, and other, other things. Now, let, let's just look at... Before we continue, a message from Andy. Hi, listeners. This is Andy Steiger. I just wanted to remind you that I have a new children's book out that I co-authored with Rachel McKenzie called What Am I Worth? You can pick it up at Amazon or ApologeticsCanada.com. As well, I have a new book coming out in September with Zondervan. The title is Reclaimed, How Jesus Humanizes in a Dehumanized World. As you know, we are living in a challenging time, but I believe with great opportunities for sharing the gospel. This book uniquely uses our humanity to discuss the gospel and what a life of flourishing in Christ looks like that I believe is desperately needed in our world. If you would like to learn more about this resource and help us get the word out, please consider becoming a part of our book launch team and help us get this resource into people's hands. Those that participate will get an early edition of the book and have the opportunity to learn and interact with me on its content. If you would like to participate, let us know by emailing info at apologeticscanada.com. And now, back to the podcast. Other things. Now, let, let's just look at this question from a little bit different perspective yeah. uh, quickly here. Uh, what about marriage? What about you're a married couple and you see another married couple with some oh, with red flags? Red flags. Yeah. You know, because I got to tell you, uh, this was one for me where I I really feel like I haven't been as good a friend for some of, of my, my friends who've struggled where – I didn't see those red flags. So I'll, I'll jump in here first with mm-hmm. a red flag. Uh, I had a friend that would often, you know, meet with us. And when we were out hanging around and, and he would talk about how uh, him and his wife weren't having sex. And he would ask us, you know, how often are you guys having sex? You know, and it was one of those kind of – I didn't realize at the moment, you know, that he was trying to assess hmm. the health of his relationship. Uh. But in but what was happy instead was it was kind of like this jockeying of oh I have you know this much sex or I have this much you know and as a friend you just I was not being a friend because mm. uh, I mm. wasn't realizing that that he was actually really looking for help and that this marriage was not healthy it ended up being in divorce mm-hmm. uh, you know they, at this mm-hmm. point they had gone a year without having sex mm-hmm. and I'm telling you right now if your relationship is in that that is a huge red flag totally. if, if you have stopped having right. sex with each other right. but it's one of those moments where you might have a friend who's asking you questions, but it's actually more than just a question. They're trying to assess the health of their relationship. But maybe there's some other red flags that you might see in a marriage where you have to come alongside a friend and go, maybe you, maybe you guys should seek some counseling. Mm-hmm. If a friend is, whatever the right verb is, venting, about their marriage, pay attention. I mean, there's that healthy, like, oh man, it's, it's, I'm so frustrated at home right now. We never seem to have time and blah, blah, blah. And venting's healthy, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's, that's okay. Like, like, uh, but I'd be listening for some kind of bitterness. Mm-hmm. When you've been angry long enough, then it starts to become bitter and then that takes root. So if you, you start to think, like, I would just come back with, man, that sounds really difficult. Like, is there anything I can do? Or how do you think this is going to change, bro? And, and see if there's any kind of optimism. Yes, venting is good. And if you can just listen non-judgmentally, that's great. But I'd pay attention to if it's bitterness or if they start uh, having plans to like do something else. Yeah. That's that's a red flag. I actually do think that's a really great point. If for Because friends can pick up on things if they're attuned to it yeah. long before. And I do think 
couples are kind of subconsciously reaching out for help, but they don't know Mm -hmm. how to do it. They don't know how to ask for help. They don't know where to go. And so what happens is they show up at a counselor or a therapist's office and our therapist friends tell us about four years too late. Yep. And by that time, the hurt, the baggage is so deep that a lot of couples just don't have the Mm. energy to tackle that Mm. mountain of issues. Whereas a friend, good friends, could see it in the earlier stages and maybe help them. I would say really proactively, I would encourage my my friends to come along to a marriage conference, whether it's a family life one or not. But hey, we're going to go to this marriage conference and you know what? We'd love to have you guys come with us. There's a two for one special or we'll pay your way or... We'll, we'll keep your kids for the weekend so you guys can go. We love you guys. We want to see you thrive. Well, what a great way for parents to be able to bless their kids that are newly Fantastic. married. Hey, you know, I'll watch your kids totally. this weekend. What a, what a great investment of your time. It's really tricky for parents to comment on their kids' marriage, though. Oh, yeah. mm, I would not yeah. advise – I would advise that with great caution. <laughs> <laughs> I think – but friends, lots peers, of prayer, lots of prayer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Tons maybe take a step back. You would say, hey, for for parents with regards to their kids' marriage. One more red flag, and then we'll move on. But if you see your friends really withdrawing, like yeah. if they used to be a lot more uh, able to show up and enjoy being with you in a group or whatever, and all of a sudden they don't come as a couple, and not just once, but I mean they are clearly withdrawing. Like you worry that they're emotionally hiding from y'all, like something dark is happening or something difficult is happening and they're they're hiding it. So if people withdraw or if one party becomes really controlling, Mm -hmm. um, that's something we see in marriage too. And either party could be the one that does it. Uh, That's a red flag. Mm -hmm. Well, on this topic of married couples, let's go a little deeper into this. Here's a great question that was sent in. With two career-driven people like my wife and I, we both want children and know that they are a gift from God, but the timing seems to be brought up a lot as well as finances. (laughs) When should a Christian couple, quoting Mm. Psalm 127, I love this, (laughs) load their quiver with arrows? there you go. Oh, brilliant. I love Uh, metaphors. Yeah. Great question. And Cheryl and I have spent our whole lives sort of trying to figure out how to be great parents, well, as good as we can be, and and honor God's gifts that He's given us uh, by using them within the church or the marketplace or as volunteers, whatever. Two careers. I mean, we've worked at at that our whole life. This is a great, great question. So um, let me pick up the finance side, and then we can talk a little bit more. When I read in this, I think a lot of people today are are. Uh, mixing up appropriate godly responsibility for your family. Like you should provide. If God gives you children, they're a holy stewardship, you should provide for them. But in North America, what we think is providing for them, I think is really culturally determined, right? So it's not just roof over their head and feeling loved. It's like they've got to be in the most expensive thing and they got to wear the most expensive thing and they got to, you know, and we got to confess that's that's greed or materialism or or whatever. That's not necessarily good that's parenting. Not, and that's <laughs> yeah. so if that's what you're worried about is oh we're not going to have kids until we can look deep in your heart and say is that providing for their needs in appropriate ways or is that just uh, status seeking or whatever? Yeah, I and I I would also say there's no one size fits all. We no. we've seen in our now literally we've talked to thousands of couples and we've seen Everything from we've just seen every version of parenting and career and and there's no magic formula. I think it's up to the couple to decide. And I would say it sounds like that 
they're getting a lot of questions from outside about the timing. I would, I think that's a personal decision. Neil and I got married quite young. Three months later, we were pregnant. Not planned. What? You were pregnant. Well, I was pregnant. <laughs> we were expecting. I was pregnant. We were expecting. There you go. Yeah, let's be clear. I was pregnant. Um, you know, so our life did not turn out the way we'd planned by any means. And I am actually a pretty much a driven type A kind of career person. So I stayed home with the kids for a few years and then I pursued my career. And to do that, we, through our whole life, have kind of front-burnered, back-burnered our careers. It was a stay-at-home dad for a few years. I worked part-time. I worked full-time. There was a season when we neither of us worked. That was yeah, not, that, not that a good was season. Not a good idea. <laughs> we don't recommend that one. It was a short season. But it happened. Um, we were both full time for a while. I mean, and we we had nannies. We like we we ran the gamut. And I would say we constantly had to be honest with each other. Like, and we had to be honest before God. And there was a point. I'll, I'll just be honest and tell you where I was a six o'clock news anchor here in Vancouver, and I heard God telling us pretty clearly that we weren't doing family the right way. And so um, I came home from work one night, and I. Well, it was triggered a little bit by the kids calling me by the nanny's name, which, <laughs> like, oh, okay, this is not. Yeah, we had a long talk that night, and then we prayed hard, and we just really felt like God's like, you're not living up to what I've called you into as parents. So I left my my job, and we moved to Northern Saskatchewan, which was traumatic in and of itself. But my point was, I think, <laughs> but those years, sorry, sorry listeners, I know, I know, we actually grew to love it there. I, I will say that. It. But my point on in saying all this is there's no right way, I think. There's no biblical guidance about what you should do in terms of career or work outside. I mean, the Proverbs 31 woman, is she's a pretty big career woman. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like I think there's no particular guidance. The guidance is that we should be listening to the Holy Spirit, that we should always be laying our lives before God. What would you have us to do? How can we love on our kids the best? How do we love each other the best? Yeah. How do we live into the giftedness that you've get built, wired into us? Those are the questions we ask, yeah. and the only key is to be on the same page as each other, I think, with God. And so to this question, it doesn't really matter what other people are saying about your finances or about your timing. Mm-hmm. It's about the two of you before mm-hmm. God deciding mm-hmm. when it's time. And then the other thing I would say is I don't think there's um, there's a requirement to have children. Right. And I think, again, we've kind of culticized um Parenthood, and I think it's beautiful. I think it's it's God's yeah. gift to us to be parents. I just don't think it is in everyone's life plan, and I think that's okay. And and being the theologian, and it's always interesting when we take Old Testament verses and then apply them today. Mm. And uh, you got to be careful how you do that, you know. So even back to Genesis, uh, Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. They're the only two people. How does that in today's overpopulated world and all the rest? I don't think that's the same command. And also, you know, uh, in Psalm 127, this is a clan culture, right? Where you needed to have lots of children because that's how you had lots of flocks and that's how you fought off the other clans because then you had lots of warriors. I mean, that was a specific admonition at a specific point in time to to a cultural reality. Um, I'm with Cheryl. Like, love God first. And if God calls you to be a parent or provides for that, then honor that. Make that the priority it should be. I guess that's what we're saying, mm-hmm. and whether, you, and then the rest will sort out. And any good marriage has to sort out priorities. Any good marriage, you got two great ideas or more than two great ideas, and you make choices. Yeah, one you know one of the thoughts that Nancy for Nancy and I as we thought through this, you know, is we talked about it. 
And we, yeah, we developed a plan and we said, you know, okay, we're going to wait to have kids, you know, and you. waited a number of years and we did some things that we wanted to do. And one of the challenges, and, and that was great, but there were two thoughts that went through my mind as I, you know, we've wrestled with this. One is, is you need to think about your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, if, for example, for me, I had to think about Nancy that, that there were risks that, that she would run that would be higher risks for her in mm. pregnancy the longer yeah, we waited. You know, so I had to take that into consideration. Uh, another one is, is for me, uh, I had the opposite problem. Uh, I was afraid to have kids. Uh. And so I, I very much had this idea that kids were um, – you know, they were not a blessing, you know, and they were a financial drain sure, and they were sure. difficult. And, you know, because it's interesting, a lot, our culture really does, it, it's one of those moments where it's like when you're not married, everybody talks about, oh, getting married. Then you get married and everybody talks about how difficult it is. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. one of those, it's like you just can't win. Same thing with parents. Yeah. yeah, and yeah same, same right. thing with parents. And, and so it was one of those moments where I, I really had to wrestle through my own, you know, and I know you guys have talked a lot about this in the past, where you got you to deal with your own history. Mm-hmm. And totally. your, for me, my broken history with my parents mm-hmm. and, and my own fears and insecurities, and, and realize that that was more of what was going oh, on in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you're having a timing conversation, make sure it is a timing conversation sure. and exactly. not an avoidance like, no, I, I... I'm afraid. Or, yeah, go to the root of what's keeping you from deciding to become parents. You know what I appreciate about I this question, though, too, is they're recognizing that if you're going to have children, it's going to take time and energy. Yep. yep. So be thoughtful about it. Yep. You know, that's being a responsible adult who's bringing another child with God's help yep. into this world. Like, honor that. And yep. I guess that's what I was kind of pushing back mm. on, or that idea that there might be some people, you know, the whole timing, you know, where they want to wait, wait. But but really, it's no, it's not about waiting. It's about you, you, right? Because oh, yeah. a kid's going to cost me time. He's right. going to, they're going to cost me energy and money. Right. Uh, and so, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Where, you know, in our narcissistic kind of culture, then children can be more and more viewed as a, as a burden, totally. less as a blessing. Yeah. You know, we've seen this. We've seen couples who start out going, we're going to wait, you know, then when we have a house and when we've got money in the bank and when our careers are established, because they think that's honoring their child. And then they get to that stage and they go, I don't want a child. I'm all, I just got this figured out. And I, you know, we got money to go away every weekend and why am I going to change that? So it becomes a problem later. I go back to what Cheryl said first. Every situation is so unique, but be honest before God, be honest with your spouse about what you're feeling and what your hopes and goals are. And if God does give you children, then you, you have to prioritize them. And if I could just say, with my own kids, that I have absolutely loved being a dad. Good. So when did that change? <laughs> Uh, it's kind of interesting. I guess for me, it changed slowly Okay. Uh, because I, mm. I, I've been dealing with my fears for a while now. Mm. And in fact, this is going to lead perfectly into our next question. Sure. Uh, and the next question is, what should you do uh, if you have a fear of commitment mm. or dating the wrong yeah. person? Yeah. If, you're, if one is sensing fear, it could be a healthy response like, this person isn't trustworthy. Like I'm afraid to commit to this particular person because he or she has uncontrolled anger outbursts or whatever. So it makes me fearful. That's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. There's also the real possibility, as you alluded to, Andy, that the fear comes from previous issues. And those need to be dealt with because they won't go away again just because you have a 30-minute ceremony with nice clothes on. Uh, that fear will continue then to haunt you when something difficult happens in year two or year 20. Then you go, oh, I made the wrong one. What if I... 
Mm-hmm. You know, fear is a common, what does it say? 365 times in the Bible we're told to fear not. So fear is a common human issue. So people shouldn't feel bad, but where's the root? Mm-hmm. Tackle the root. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that, Neil, because for me, two weeks uh, before I was to marry Nancy, I called up a friend in Montana and told him, hmm. hey, Darren, I'm gonna, can I come out and stay with you in Montana? And he's like, why would you do that? I'm coming, <laughs> I'm coming to you for this wedding. And I said, well, Darren, I think I'm, I'm thinking about pulling the ribcord on this. I think, I'm thinking about breaking up with Nancy two weeks before our wedding. And he's like, well, why? And I, and, and I had to really wrestle with that. Why? Yeah. And I had so much fear. And at first, I thought my fear was the fear uh, that Nancy was the wrong one. Oh. But the more I dwelt on it, the more I began to realize, no, the fear is that I'm the wrong one for her. That I'm going to fail, maybe? That's exactly it. I was very fearful that I would not be a good husband mm. and that I would not mm. be a good father, that I would, that mm. would screw it up. And and that was the fear that really I was that I was wrestling with. It took me a while to really nail it down, yeah. though. I was going to say I think that's more common than you might think. I think that's more prevalent than we might think. I think people dress it up in different ways. Right. I think the fact that you kind of looked it in the eye and named it. So what happened? I mean, how did you work through that? Uh, for me, I, I had this moment. I'll Obviously never forget. You got it. Married. I did. I did. But I had this moment where I was looking out the window of the front lawn of my parents' house, uh, and I'll never forget it because I, I was having this moment where I'm like, I need to make a, a choice here, mm. and they know that this choice is going to change the course of my life. And as I was wrestling through this and, and just praying through it, God helped me to identify that, that this was me and not Nancy. Uh, and one of the ways that God did that is because my friend Darren said this, I'll never forget it. When I told him this, he goes, well, hey, would you be upset if I had a shot at Nancy? <laughs> If I could punch him through that through that phone, uh, but it was one of those reminders where I'm like, you know what? No, Nancy wow. is good. Uh, I need to deal with my issues, mm. and, and and as I was praying, God just really put it over me. Andy, I'll help you to be a good husband. Yeah, I'll help you to be a good a good father. Yeah, thank goodness and, for that. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was one of those moments where I realized, no, in my faith journey, this is a moment where I need to trust Jesus. Yeah, and I need to step forward in commitment of trusting that He is going to mm. help me to be those good things. And so that that's really uh, Cheryl what. What kind of led me to saying yes, uh, but it was scary. It's it, it was still scary. Well, and there's there actually you know, there's a healthy should, piece in that. Yeah? I was just going to say there should be some holy fear respect and respect for, for, for what, what you're, you're about entering to do. Into. Yeah, yeah no, it I shouldn't be entered into casually. Yeah. But you know, you should probably have that conversation before two weeks before the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> My heart Face just goes your out to Nancy. When did you tell her that you had that you know crisis? My wife, is, my wife is my, no. My wife wasn't surprised because I had been uh, having these issues throughout our dating. Okay. So mm. much so, you guys are gonna love this. So much. Well, you maybe not love it. <laughs> uh, so much so that one point in our dating, uh, I stopped calling her for two weeks. Uh, and wow. again, it was this fear of moving forward wow. in this relationship because I could tell it was moving towards marriage. Mm. So this was before cell phones and whatnot. Sure. She she called my mom my mom, Judy, and said, you know, Judy, what is your son's number? He hasn't called me in two weeks. And she's like, oh, you call him. And she, so she gave him, gave her my number. And Nancy called me and you know what she said? She said, uh, I, I answer the phone and, and it's Nancy. And she says, Andy, if, if you're going to break up with me, you got to do it like a man. And, uh, and she just, the, the line went silent and she just waited 
Like if you could bring up with me, but here yeah. here's your opportunity. Yeah, don't ghost here. Don't, yeah, just, just don't, don't vanish. You ghost me. No, no, that's right. I like Nancy, but I, no, she's I tell awesome. you what, that was a, such a God moment. I mm. needed a woman who wasn't going to give up on me, but who also wasn't going to be yeah. beat up emotionally yeah. and treated like like mm. I was treating her. Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna stand her ground, but yet she was gonna love me in the midst of it. Hmm. Boy, that that's a great illustration for uh, the way relationships need to work. That kind of clear, um, humble honesty, but firmness. Like, this is what I want for the relationship to be, and I'm going to hold out for it. Mm-hmm. Good for her. I think we'll go with one more question. Sure. Yeah, shoot. Let's just jump into a question that I hear a lot of people who are both dating and married uh, wrestling with. Is marriage more of a partnership or is there oh, a yeah. lead aspect to it? Yeah, yeah. I was always told growing up that the man was the head of the house. I don't know anybody who has a lasting, healthy, thriving marriage who wouldn't say it's a partnership. Now, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't say you know, I subscribe and I try to live into that verse where the husband is is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church because, of course, Christ laid down his life for the church. He never used it, the church to meet his needs. It was never authoritative. So we think it's a partnership in the sense that Cheryl is a daughter of God with gifts that God's given her, and she brings it to the marriage. I'm a, a son of God with gifts that I bring to the marriage. So it's mutual that way. Now, um, within the marriage, both parties bring their best and and play the role that's going to make the marriage holy and reflect God and grow deep in love. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and I would say, I mean, it's dressed up in all sorts of theological terms, right? And and there's divisions, and you can be a you know a borderline egalitarian, slightly on the complementarian. Like there's, it gets so confusing, and that's where I sort of, you know, I, we don't really want to attach labels kind of to where we land. Again, I I go back to we need to be scriptural. We need to be humble before the Holy Spirit to make sure. But I would say that leading looks different into every marriage. Like I would say that, that there are seasons in our marriage where I have been more of the spiritual leader because I've been a little more spiritually healthy at, in seasons yeah. of our marriage. And I would say- Because we go through seasons as, as Christ followers too, right? There's seasons where spiritually I'm a little dry and I'm blessed to be married to a Christian wife. And that's why the Bible tells us to be married to somebody who shares faith. And she's been the one with the word of wisdom and hope and encouragement. And then there's other times where you're drier totally. and I'm the one with the word of hope. So that's sort of the partnership thing we're talking about. Yeah, and I think it's it's how you define leadership, I think. Yeah. If you if you have a really a strict kind of role-based idea of what leadership looks like, a leader does act. Um I don't buy into that theory. I think leadership is something that that is is servant-hearted and and humble and always seeks God's direction on on the best for the other. And in that way we should both be leaders in our in our marriages. So that's where we land on that, but um I completely agree. This is something that that I find interesting, though, because a lot of couples will get into some pretty heated arguments over this. Mm. I know Nancy and I did at one point. Mm. Uh, We laugh about it now, but when we were dating, we argued about, you know, who was going to do the finances, you know, because we Mm. really saw that as just like leadership role, you know, who's going to lead the finances in the house. Uh, Now we try to fight for who doesn't have to do it, (laughs) you know, but it's so funny that when you're married, you know, what you argue about that you think's important Oh, Oftentimes isn't as important as you think say. it's going to be. In theory, and and then you you have all sorts of questions about well if 
what if it comes down, we have to make a decision and you think this and I like, who's going to break the tie (laughs) that we get asked that by dating couples all the time. We almost never get asked that by married couples. The re the reason is if you're healthy and happy in your marriage, you've figured out how to, Mm -hmm. I can, I can count on three fingers, the number of times where we have seen big life things. I mean, not just where you go for dinner. We disagree on that all the time. And then you just take turns. But, you know, but on big life move, life decisions, I can only think maybe even two where we've really seen things very differently. And I would say in one case, I heard very clearly from God and and Neil didn't hear a clear voice. So we went with... With what I thought. you heard. I didn't hear a contradictory voice. I just didn't hear anything. Vice versa. We had the same thing happen a few years later. Major life decision, actually, to come to Family Life Canada and lead this. Neil heard it clearly from God. That's what we should do. And I did not. I did not see it. I did not think it was time for a move. I did not see it at all. And I, I said, you know what? I trust that you're hearing from God. I believe that you heard what you heard. And so, all right, let's move. But that's that comes out of a marriage relationship. Yeah. That's not a matter of sort of well, you're the you're the husband. You get to make the decision. Some kind of rule book, yeah. That's how we've lived our lives. I think sometimes with younger couples, to be honest, they want a blueprint. They don't know how to do yeah. this marriage thing, mm-hmm. and it's really more of an art than a science. But they want it to be a science because mm-hmm. they want to do well. So if you can tell me this is what I do as a husband and this is what I do as a wife, then I can nail this. When really it's more of a journey and adventure you launch out on together with God's leading. Now, that's an interesting point, though, that you're putting there. It is with God's leading because one of the questions that it brought up, we, we didn't get a chance to get to it, but we can address it quickly here. And that is the spiritual component of, mm. okay, well, can I date somebody that's you know not a Christian? And and this is this is that point where you're like, sure, it's going to raise issues. Not only can you date them, you can fall in love with them. Like you can learn to appreciate their their gifts, their talents, their heart, their sense of humor, all that stuff. What I hope you heard in Cheryl's story is it is a profound virtue when you're facing issues in life to be able to pray together, to trust that your spouse is seeking God, to trust that your spouse is trying to listen and obey the, the voice of God and, and is reading the scriptures and wants to obey them. Man, that is unbelievably valuable. And, and that's so strong. But yeah, of course you can... You can have feelings for a non-Christian. And sometimes we'll get Christian kids saying this, oh, it must be God's will because I love him or I love her. I go, I I don't think so. I think God's will is that you would be married to somebody that you're going to build a home of faith together with. Yeah. And I I would say just, I mean, the Bible says what the Bible says, and, and, and I think we need to uphold that as truth. We shouldn't be unequally yoked. But I would say from a very practical, anecdotal position, we've seen so many couples who are just heartbroken because their paths are so different spiritually. Mm-hmm. And it, just, it honestly, it breaks my heart. And I just wish somebody had, had looked them in the eye when they were dating and said, don't do this. Do not. Wait until, like, because they'll usually say, well, yeah, well, he's starting to come to church or she's starting to come to church or she's starting to, you know, be interested. That's good enough. Delay for a while and see sure. some fruit of that relationship starting to to blossom before you make a lifelong commitment to that person. Hundred percent. I. That's a do not go, as as far as I'm concerned. Anybody I loved, I would have that advice. I'd look them in the eye. Do not do this. A little heartbreak is is way mm-hmm. better than a lifetime run. of heartbreak. Yeah. 
Absolutely, absolutely, and then and then it gets even more complicated once kids come into Abs- the picture oh and everything else. Oh what are you know, yeah. What are we going to teach and all these yeah. other? As things. you can pick up, we're not very hard line on a lot of things. I mean, Neil's probably a little more theologically astute. Well, definitely way more theologically astute than I am. But we don't draw hard lines on many things. But that's when we draw a hard line on. Yeah. Hey, as we wrap this up, I mean, man, we could talk forever here. Uh, I think we have. And, our, and our, yeah, our, t- our time is definitely up. It's been great. Uh, uh, but so good uh, to have you on the podcast. As we wrap this thing up, uh, with the ministry you guys do, there are these weekends away that you that you have. I know we got one coming up in Victoria. Mm-hmm. They happen across Canada. Right. Uh, can you just briefly tell us about that? So if there's anybody who's married and they want to make an investment to their marriage, mm-hmm. or maybe they want to... Uh, you know, uh, tell somebody else about this. I mean, I've even had uh, people pay for me to go uh, on these. Lucky uh, you! I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, what would what would good. you uh, what would you recommend? Or could you tell us about this? Sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weekend thing from Friday night through to Sunday. Noon. It, Sunday, uh, noon. Sunday noon. It's this great mix of uh, great presentation, and we really try to make it. Uh, learner-centered. There's not lectures, okay? Uh, Cheryl and I teach, and another couple teaches, so we mix voices. We always teach in, in uh, couples, so you hear both a man and a woman's perspective. Uh, it's biblically ba- uh, based, but uh, you feel free to invite others who maybe aren't Christ followers yet or, or no matter where they're at. It's really safe for them. So we teach, and then we throw a project to the two of you. You don't have to share with strangers, but then the mm-hmm. two of you sort it out. And so by the end of the weekend, you'll have had this series of great conversations about important topics and go home feeling, I've never felt closer to you. I've never felt like I understand you the way I understand mm-hmm. you. Now, I've never heard you say stuff like that. This is the kind of feedback we get after the weekend, rather than, oh, weren't those lectures lovely? Like That's not what the weekend is about. And I would say that's why the weekend is appropriate for a lot of people in different phases of their yes. life. Like we, we get couples who are literally on the brink of divorce. The divorce papers are on the counter at home waiting to be signed. If this weekend doesn't work, we're going home. I would say that's about 10% of the audience. About 10% of the audience is therapists and counselors and pastors who are trying to find some tools for their own people to pass on. And the other 80% are all of us in the middle who yeah. love being married, but we know we... We're good at some stuff and some and stuff's kind of scratchy. We know we've got some and, areas that yeah. we can work on and yeah. we, there's always more. Yeah. But because the the weekend is designed for the two of you to have conversations, so we lay out a little bit of teaching, you can take it as deep as you want. You can take it any direction you want. And so I, it really is a great weekend for everybody of where no matter where they're at in their spiritual journey and no matter where they're at in their marriage relationship or pre-married relationship but let's get lots of couples who come while they're dating too so where do they go for information familylifecanada.com yeah we can get away some of them are huge some of them uh, are like 700 people in a room and some of them are like 150 people in the room so you know but again it's about the two of you it's 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 not a small group thing I guess is what I'm saying is you don't there's no risk to you as a couple you won't be exposed great want to thank you guys for being on the show and uh, talking on these important subjects with me and we pray listeners that you're blessed by what we were talking about this has been another podcast with apologetics canada we'll come back next week with more things to think about Mm -hmm.